Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs creating the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm Emily Aborn, and along with my co-host, Crystal Farley, we are here to give you the roadmap to success and the tools you need to build whatever this means for you. Happy Wednesday. Crystal, I already know the answer to this question, but how are you today? I'm always well. How are you? I'm beyond well. It's a great day. It Doesn't is a great the day. the energy feel nice today? Yeah, so nice. It's like a fog is lifted. I think it actually literally did. because yesterday it was, literally did. Yeah, yesterday was like super foggy. Um, didn't you recently celebrate an anniversary? Yes. Oh, in October. So. Okay. Yes, I, I did. Didn't you? Yeah. We both have like the same anniversary, I feel like. Yeah, Mine, it's like a couple days apart or yeah. something. Mine's October 10th. Yours is? The 7th. Okay. Do you ever, this is what I always do, like during my anniversary weeks, I always like go back in time and try to remember like what it was like that week before we got married. It was like going through a tunnel, basically, I think that week. I think it was too. Yeah. I remember really being happy when the day arrived. And then when it was over. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And then I was like, we'll never do that again. But it was lovely. We had a a bigger wedding than, or, well, we'll talk about it. So I had 150 people. Um, I planned the whole entire thing myself. I have to tell you about this when I was picking. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When I was picking out my shoes, I made like a Canva shoe collage and like had people vote on which number I should get. And I still feel like I picked the wrong ones, but. Did you go with the. One that got the greatest votes? No, never. That's not in my nature. <laughs> so tell me about yours. I'm confused as to why you would ask the audience. It's, po- it's always good to poll people and then do what they say, you know, do the opposite. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do that. Um, I actually, so this was my, you know, it wasn't my first marriage. However, I planned the whole thing myself. I'm sure you're surprised. I had a backyard wedding in October. So you never know what you're going to get for weather. And I remember the week before it was cold, but then the week, the day of it was 80. So Whoa. it was one of those, but ordered my dress online. I found my shoes at Macy's. So that's, a, I'm pretty low maintenance. So that was pretty easy. And it was only about 60 people with a pig roast. It was like a, a luau in the fall. Yours it was sounds so much fun. Lots of, you know, booze and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, a backyard wedding is like, I think what we really wanted, but then we got so many people involved that we had to go bigger or go home. My husband and I, we had talked about it only being like 40 people. That was our original plan. And then I think we ended up inviting over a hundred. So hard when you're so popular, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's hard. I had to like keep them back, fight them off, you know? Our guest today is not a wedding planner, but she does plan events. Erin Newhart is an event strategist and planner with a passion for community building. She works with organizations to help them fulfill their live event goals. And what she does is she really helps them to develop and execute a strategy based on the desired outcome. So I love this. Erin uncovers something that many people often overlook in event planning. She actually helps people to hone in on the purpose of the event, which then drives the decisions that we make while planning the event. So we're definitely going to get more into that in this podcast and what that means. Erin strives to ensure that her attendees leave more connected to the cause, organization, information, and other guests. She employs a servant leadership model, believes in collaboration over competition, which I love that. And she is a true fan of authentic networking. Erin enjoys Huga at home with her husband, 
I don't, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. It sounds a little risque. And two dogs, Maple and Hercules. She is a bibliophile and usually has a few books going or waiting on cue to read. She's a New Englander with some Southern influence, and her guilty pleasure is murder, she wrote. And she also loves exploring medieval history. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you so much, ladies. It's awesome to be here. Okay, so first of all, we need to talk about what Huga is in case lest anyone thinks it's... Can we just talk about her bio for the entire sure, podcast? Sure, I know, I know. Because there's that's, so many things that's here. That's actually what I would like to awesome. do also. I'm totally happy to oblige you. That's fine. Um, so Huga is, um, it's a Scandinavian um, word. There's no real translation, but really what it is, is it's about being cozy. And so um, if you think of Scandinavian countries, they're very cold, they're very dark. And so... Um, Scandinavians have found a way to to connect and and make things warm and comfortable. And so it's a lot of um, fun pillows and throw blankets and a lot of light. So it's all candles. Um, it's about connecting with one another. So um, small intimate gatherings of family and friends, um, those types of things. So I, it's all, yeah. It sounds magical. It we need is magical. we need to like light some candles right now so we can have some huga. We're having it right now. And yeah. is it huga? Huga. Huga. I think either way. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I don't think that there's say yeah. how it feels right. Yeah. You know? okay. Absolutely. It's gonna take some practice either way, but I like it. So Aaron and I have something fun in common. We when we first moved back to New Hampshire, um, we rented a little tiny like tiny apartment at the Birchwood Inn in Temple, New Hampshire. And so did Erin. We did. Her and her husband lived in the upper one or the lower one? We lived in the downstairs. Same one as me. No and kidding. And now she has the dog of the owner of the Birchwood Inn. Yeah. So when the Birchwood Inn sold, um, the owners were looking to rehouse Hercules. And I saw the post on Facebook and I was I turned to my husband. I'm like, there's no other option. Like we can't, we know this dog, we can't not have him come live with us. So um, I think that the boys were really thankful and happy that that was an option. And yeah, so we love him and we were, the Birchwood Inn is so special. It's so special to my family as well. So yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a nice story. Thanks. All right. So Erin, tell us a little bit more about you, um, who you are and Tell us what great books you're reading right now since you read a couple at once. I do. So right now, um, so yeah, I'm I'm Erin and um, I started a business just over a year and a half ago, which is so exciting. But really it was about finding more joy in life and like what I really wanted to be doing. So I know we'll get into that in a few minutes. But the books that I'm reading, um, currently I have um, two going. So I am reading... Um, Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo just dropped last month. So that was very exciting. And then also um, Kyle Cease has a new book out called The Illusion of Money. And it's all about um, really pulling away at what you feel like your attachment to money is and your attachment to the things that you think are important in your life and really reevaluating those. And so that was something that's been really cool, nice to explore. But um, yeah. she doesn't waste any time. She's got two good ones going I know, on. Like they're both really intense. It's a, I, I, in my mind, it's like, how do you even, how do you how, compartmentalize? Yeah, how are I go you back able and forth. Do I don't know. Um, and I, I have also noticed recently that I need to get back into fiction. Like I'm reading a lot of nonfiction books and I'm like, 
there has to be a balance somewhere, right? So I need a good story. So if either of you have good stories that I should be reading, like, let me know. Well, I think we all end up doing that, right? Like, what is pleasure reading anymore? Like, I think it's all of these nonfiction books that are really ultimately helping me in my business, but I actually want to be reading things that are completely made up and irrelevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote The City of Girls, and that's been on my, like, splurge list for a long time, so you should probably pick that one up. I think I will. Absolutely. That's awesome. It's on my list now, too. Thank you. All right. So tell us a little bit more about your business and how you got started. What got you into it? So um, my business is eStudio Events. I um, went out in 2018 on my own um, and started this business. And really, um, I think that I was always meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's it's something that I've, I've always felt. And so I've always looked for the entrepreneurial slant within any position that I've held. And um, that just seemed like the right time and the right place to go out on my own. So um, I will say that the life of an entrepreneur is a one that is winding and not straightforward. So what I thought I might be doing when I got out um, – I'll say it has changed many times, right? And it continues to evolve. But right now what I'm doing is um, I'm assisting a lot of um, companies and nonprofits with their events. Um, I really want to help them uncover their purpose and really make sure that they're um, – that an event is not just happening for the sake of it happening. I want to make sure that you're – that you're that you're it's for a purpose and then it and it adds to um whatever you're trying to create and not just because you think that you should have an event going on so um what were you doing before so I was I had pretty much a dream job I was working at Southern New Hampshire University in the alumni engagement department I was an associate director um and that's an amazing organization they really take care of their students they love their uh, their alumni and the people who work there are passionate about what they're doing um and so that's kind of a crazy part right is that I had this semi dream job and I was like but that's not it for me. And there were a few things that really went on that um, helped me make that decision to make that move. I saw um, a speaker who, an alumni speaker came in and she had reached a glass ceiling in her um, company. And then she decided to go out on her own. And I heard her story, which was super inspiring. And then, um, you know, I had this opportunity. I had done this freelance gig where I went out to Idaho and planned an event for somebody and they were like I need you like will you come and work for me and that was really what gave me my wings to be able to say okay it's now like I'm going and so I worked for her for six months planning a book tour and um that led me to other people and and other clients which was amazing you said something that I want to touch on um you said that you've always felt like you inserted entrepreneurism into entrepreneurship into every job that you've worked. What does being an entrepreneur mean to you? I think it's, I've always sought autonomy in any position that I've had. I've always wanted control over what I'm building or, or to be able to really give my own ideas as a part of whatever it is that we're building. And, um, and so that's really a part of it, but really it's, it's more about not dampening my spirit. Right. And so a lot of times when you're working in a business and not on your own business, you're conforming to a lot of what everyone else needs you to, right? And so your priorities might not be their priorities. And 
And being an entrepreneur means that you get to define those priorities for yourself and you get to go out and, and make it happen. So that's what I really love about it. Yeah, you're bringing life to your dream instead of someone else's. And, exactly. and you're helping other people bring life to their dreams in the process. Exactly. And I absolutely feel like um, that's one of the things that I love is helping people. And, um, you know, within the scope of working in one organization, I saw the opportunity to really step out and help so many more people and be of service to other people um, and other organizations. And that was what was awesome. Like, I, I wanted to not limit myself to just one group. I wanted to be able to help many more people. So, yeah. It sounds like you're pretty, you're pretty honed in on who you like to work with or, um, cause I'm, you know, as, a, as a new entrepreneur, a lot of times people can get sucked into the, I want to please everybody sort of thing. You cast your really wide net and it takes some time. Like you said, it was, you had to pivot a lot, right? Like you, it's been a winding road for you. So would you mind sharing a little bit about some of those, like how that journey has happened? Because, yeah. yeah. I, I, the, I think that the sifting and sorting has not ended I don't necessarily think it will and um you know I was talking with Emily right before you got here and I was just saying that you know what got me to where I am right now is my zone of excellence jumping out and and starting an event company where I'm helping people plan events I have 15 years of event planning experience that's that's my zone of excellence that's something that I have have done over and over and so it's really taking that next leap and what is the strategy behind it? What are the purposes behind things? How can I help on a much greater scale that that's going to be where I see myself going forward and, and going into? But I think that there's definitely um, when you first get out and you're on your own, it's scary. You're, you're like, where is my next client coming from? How am I going to pay my bills? And so I think that you do end up taking some of those clients on that might not be the best fit um, or you don't know that they're not the best fit until you've worked with them. And so, you know, trying anything, saying yes to a lot of things really helps you. But then um, taking the time to do a debrief afterwards for yourself and saying, is this really in line or is this something that I probably shouldn't repeat? And right? saying no is scary oh, too. So scary. When you say no to someone that you otherwise would have said yes to because you were just starting out, it can be really scary to turn away money, to turn away a new client, an opportunity. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. So what are some of the speed bumps you feel like you hit along the way, um, maybe when you first started? Yeah. So I think that I actually false started. So about five years ago, um, I parted ways with a position when my husband and I were living in Maine. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to create a business and be an entrepreneur. And I wasn't in the right frame of mind. My um, my mental health wasn't really right there. My, um, I don't know, the my confidence wasn't there. I wasn't confident in my own skill set. And so that was really a false start where I, I put up a signpost, but I really wasn't going out and saying, I'm actually open for business, right? Um, and so that led to, I ended up getting a job with Snoo and working for them for five years. And um, that allowed me that time and space to really build my confidence back up and and start to really be like, okay, no, I can do this. But I would say one of the biggest things for me was that I hired a life coach. Before I even took the leap, I wanted to make sure that this was actually the right time. It was the right, um, you know, right 
direction to go in. And so the life coach really helped me get a handle on my headspace, um, vision what I wanted to have come out of this and where I wanted to go. And that was super helpful. And so I would say definitely investing in or getting together with a group of people or whatever it might be, that would be a huge thing that I would suggest because I think that that having someone else kind of echo your thoughts and also have you give you the space to get clear on what was important to me was super helpful. Um, and then I think that you, I still look at the, the classifieds from time to time because I'm like, what am I doing? I think we all do that. I have yeah. indeed.com in my bookmarks. See, and but I, I, I get email notifications. We're working on that, but just in case, um, I did the same thing with a false start when, when we were closing our retail shop, I sort of decided that I was going to go get my real estate license. And then, you know, and people were telling me like, are you sure about that? Do you like similar to your life coach situation? I had people around me that were kind of challenging me on a couple of areas. I'm like, oh no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then when I really looked at it, I'm like, this is not really what I want for myself. Just because I like to watch HDTV doesn't mean I'm going to be a good real estate agent. Absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of skirted over Erin a little bit how you, um, you know, you put the, you put the sign out there. You weren't necessarily in the right mental space and you had, you went, you chose a, a traditional job, if you will. Absolutely. And I think like that in itself to recoup and come back from that is a big deal, right? We talk about failing quite a bit actually on the podcast. And I think not necessarily that you failed, you just weren't ready, but to take, to ha- to develop that confidence, like good for you for investing in yourself to get there. Because a lot of people would just wipe their hands and they'd be done with it. But you know, look Thank at you, you now. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I do think that, um, what is a failure? Like we're taught. So I, I grew up not being allowed to fail necessarily. Like failure was not doing well was the expectation, like overachieving was the expectation. So, um, and part of that was an expectation that I put on myself. I get that, but it was also like an unsaid thing. And so I think that, um, it, it's humbling being an entrepreneur and it's also so rewarding because you actually get to say, wait a minute, I can give myself a little grace around this. Like we can keep moving forward and, and it's not the end of the world. So, yeah. Okay. So what advice do you have for people that are planning events? Like what's your number one? I want to get into how you really do bring in the purpose of the event and you like to cultivate that community and do authenticity through events. That's super fascinating to me. That's what I'm all about. I am too. I love it. I could talk about it for days. Um, but purpose is so important. I think that so many people, um, are doing events nowadays and some people are doing them really well and they, they happen really well. And maybe there's a defined purpose and maybe there's not. But I think if you take the time to really sit back and think about what what you want out of this, how this connects to your mission, how it connects to um, what you want the people on the other end of the receiving side of this event to get out of it, what those steps are going to be to be able to then translate that um, into the event space, I think is amazing. And so some of the questions I ask my clients are, what is different about this event from any other event in the same space? What, um, what are you bringing to the market that no one else is bringing or what sets you apart? And then what is this, what is this event not? 
right? And so I think that one of the things and where people really skirt around um, the purpose is that they they want to be everything to everyone. There are so many events going on that I think people are like, oh my God, if I don't have a really like easy breezy, everyone's welcome, then they are going to end up not filling their event, which is a challenge. Filling an event is a challenge anyways. But I think that if you really clearly define your purpose, if you show up so well for those attendees in the way that you want to pour into them and that they understand what they're supposed to get out of that event, it's huge and it's purposeful and it's it will attract those people back to the brand that much more and make them really, really good followers of you. So that that's my suggestion in terms of purpose. When are you writing a book? Soon. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I love it. I think it's so important. And I think that, you know, in working with nonprofits, especially, and entrepreneurs, there's, there's a pressure to do events, there's a pressure to put these things out there. And um, a lot of times, especially with nonprofits, it's all about tradition. Like we've done this, it's a traditional event. So we have to continue doing it. Well, have you really looked at your ROI? Have you looked at your bottom line to see if there's a decline in that event? Or is it continuing to bring in the revenue that you need it to bring in? And are you always expressing the mission of the event each time you do it? Because as that gets repeated, it gets lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so connecting it back to the mission is so important and and should be central because that's that's the other piece of it. Purpose is one and then the branding is the other. You know, branding is so much more than just um, the label or, you know, how you're going to the words that you put out. It's It should really foster a connection to the event throughout the entire thing. So from the onset through what that experience is when someone discovers your event and then they show up at the event and they're greeted at the event and then they have that experience of actually being there. So it's huge. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. That's I'm just so excited I looked to talk at you. to you. Okay. <laughs> um, so you, 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 it's your, the, the resonating theme that I'm hearing from you though, is like you've, you get really clear with what you do, right? So when you started with event planning, you, you pivoted a bunch and now you work with organizations to really help them get clear on what they want to do. And I think something really important that you said that I hope resonates with the listeners is that filling an event is a challenge regardless of who is hosting the event, right? So, you know, we hear about all of these amazing events and, you know, she built this as a great example of you had no idea the first year you ho- that you hosted it that it was going to be that big and then it was, right? And you you didn't, I mean, you probably had a target audience that you were hoping for, but who knew? Who knew you were going to sell out the first annual event, The right? first year I had no idea. Had no idea, right? And so I think, you know that that's like best case scenario. There's a lot of times where I think people are scared to host events because they're scared to get four people in the room, but that's a learn, right? So what advice do you have for people that are just scared? Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's, it's just like being an entrepreneur. You, if you are committed to something, you kind of have to do it scared anyways. And there are some safe holds that you can, can really think through and put in place so that you're, you're a little bit more, um, prepared, I would say. And one of that is, is really looking through what you want that event to look like. And, um, whether it be through strategic partnerships or, you know, marketing or what have you, 
really reaching out to your network and having them buy into what you want to really put out there. And I also think too, having a realistic approach to what the budget is and what your outcomes are. Many events don't break even for the first few years. So you have to be willing to actually invest for several years to see the return. Um, It's not always, I mean, you can make sure that an event makes money, but there's a lot of events that don't. And, and the event is actually that, that goodwill connection. It's connecting people offline because we are so connected online and getting people in the same room. And that may be more important than making a profit on the event. And so I think that um, clarity around what those key indicators are for you, that really plays into what how you move forward and how you make decisions. You really tie in your love for Huga into your work. It's amazing. I think that I think that all of my my life is centered around this, you know, gathering, talking with people, um, interacting with people. So I think that no matter what I do in my life, if you look at my entire resume, it is all connected back to people. So yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how your perspective goes after you finish your book about money. Because I think, and I appreciate that because I'm very big in, you know, this world, this society that we live in is huge on materialism right now. And our attachment to money to me is disgusting. And so I think, you know, when you talk about bringing people together and not thinking about the profit, you're thinking about serving others and developing a better community rather than making money. And I think that's where it will come back to you. And that mindset is... It's a freeing mindset, but I think, like, like we say, most people are just scared to get there and you got to do it anyway, right? So it's really looking at the purpose, your mission, like what your values are, what the company's values are, the nonprofit, so on and so forth. That's awesome. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I mean, that really ties back to I've always taken a servant leadership approach. I always want to serve more than I'm receiving in value. And I hope that, you know, anytime that I'm out either talking or I'm helping um, with an organization or I am actually boots on the ground planning an event, that people get that value from me because that's that's what I hope to to bring. So. When would someone choose to, to work with you and when would someone not? Because I know you distinguish between these two on your website and I, I find it interesting. I do. And I just, did a, um, I just did an article recently about it as well because I do think there's a lot of people who um, would love to hire an event planner, but they might not be ready to hire one. Um, I think that if you are an entrepreneur and you are used to bootstrapping – you probably, and you have planned an event in the past, you probably don't need me. But if you're ready to level up and you want to really take the onus of those logistics off of you and you want to make sure that you are showing up to deliver your content and pour into your attendees, like that would be the conversation that we would have then. Okay. I want to hear your funniest story from an event or something that you have to share that was just fun and entertaining for us. Well, so I, I don't know if it's funny, it's kind of sad, but then also like now I can, I can look back and I can laugh at it now. So, um, early in my career, I was doing, um, I was doing the launch party for the Boston Common Magazine down in Boston. And we were at the Cyclorama. Cyclorama is, um, just a really open space that has cobblestones that they have refinished. So they're very smooth, but they're uneven at the same time. And um, I was tasked with putting together the ceiling treatment, which was 
I don't know, somewhere around 300 to 500 five foot and eight foot balloons that um, I was told I was going to have some staff to help me. There wasn't any staff. Um, I was told that maybe they would get me something to blow it up. I ended up using a shop vac. So um, I'm sitting in the cyclorama, which is an empty space, cavernous, and blowing up these three foot and five foot balloons. I personally don't like balloons anyways, but it was a part of my job. This sounds awful. Get ready. (laughs) No. So um, I would tie them off and I put them on like a plastic sheet and um, every so often one would pop and it would echo and ring throughout the space. And so by the end of this experience, I was pretty shell-shocked. I was like totally frazzled and out of my space and I had to go collect myself to then go and put on this party. And so I can look back back on it now and laugh, especially now that I have a very good friend who is an amazing balloon designer, but I am not huge on balloons myself. I don't blame you. That sounds like a horror story. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, I know it's, but you have to, that's one of the things about planning events is that you, you kind of have to be okay with whatever comes down the pipe, right? You, you plan to the best of your ability so that you can be as flexible as you can in the moment. And that's what, there's where the magic happens. So, so where do you see yourself five years from now? Who knows? No, I, <laughs> that's I, an okay answer. I, I just love the the evolution of what's going on and I love connecting with people and the collaborations that are coming out of it and everything. So, um, you know, obviously I would love to see myself continuing to be an entrepreneur in five years and, and continuing to, to have some sort of presence in some way. Um, I'm not even going to speculate on what that is. And I'm just excited that I have this opportunity and the ability to do what I'm doing. So I'm super pumped and, and really thankful. She just goes with the flow. Mm-hmm. She lives in the moment. Can't worry about five years from now right now. Trying to. Yeah. I like it. All right, Erin, tell us how we can connect with you online. Awesome. So you can definitely connect with me on um, Facebook and LinkedIn, Um, Erin Newhart on LinkedIn. And then on Facebook, I do have e-studio events and, um, you know, I'm very frequently down at Coho in Milford. So please feel free to stop by and I'd love to chat with anyone. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you ladies for having me. It was my honor. So thanks. Have a great day, everyone. For more information on the She Built This podcast, you can check us out online at www.shebuiltthis.org. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.